Yeah, I mean. Also, whose phone is that? Sure, it's not mine. Not me. I don't. It's not me either. I didn't get a text. This is so unprofessional. We're never going to get a sponsorship like this. <laughs> it's all right. We're not recording yet. Um, Hello and welcome to the only show that simultaneously celebrates fan theories and headcanons while at the same time cringing at them. I'm Luke. I'm Max. And I'm Matt. And this is Force for Thought. Today we are talking fan theories. These are all the theories that may be true in the Star Wars universe, meaning that while they are not technically canon, they do not contradict canon. So we have the option to add it to our headcanon if we wish. It is not correct or incorrect to do so, but it is a heck of a lot of fun to think about. So I'm just going to get right into it with the first fan theory I wanted to talk about today, and that is Darth Jar Jar. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think of this theory? It's one of the most popular ones by clout, not necessarily by viability, but it's definitely one of the most talked about on the internet. I mean... You've heard it, I'm yes. sure. I mean, actuality. Do you want to give a rundown on what it is? Or Yeah, okay. yeah. There, there are theories that Jar Jar is a secret Sith Lord because he gave emergency powers to Chancellor Palpatine, and there are a few sequences in The Phantom Menace where he is goofing, bumbling around with some battle droids, and they don't kill him miraculously, and... There are thoughts that it could be his force abilities that stop them from doing so, but he also does some hand gestures, I believe, in all three movies. He he talks with his hands a lot. Yeah, that's definitely a character trait of his. Yeah, he has I, kind of yellowish eyes to begin with. He has um, yellow eyes. Yep. Um, I think. I mean, I think it's a fun theory, but I mean, I think realistically, right? It's just like, yeah, real, realistically, mean, there's no not a chance. <laughs> no, not a chance. I mean, it's very fun, but I mean, like he is just a goofy character that I think was meant to be like, this is going to be a lovable character. And then when he's not, I think people are looking into like, like you said, even he has yellow eyes, like just, I don't know. I feel like in, uh, I was say 99, but realistically when they start filming in the mid nineties, um, like yeah. 96 or so. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I feel like they were just like, let's just create this fun character in <laughs> like men in black is coming out. I feel like all these like fun creatures are getting a lot of attention. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it was the first CG character, so they had to get weirder than a human with yeah. it, and they did a great job with that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun theory. To, I mean, I would like to see a, I don't know, I almost like, you know how they do, um, oh my god, I forget what it's called, the MCU cartoon show, when it's showing the- What oh, if? What if? I would almost like to see a what if version of Star Wars. Not actually, because as, as I say that, that's kind of, <laughs> like that could cause a lot of kind of uh, uh, hiccups, but I feel like that would be a fun episode to see. Like, I can yeah. imagine Jar Jar doing his weird voice and just, like, I don't know, throwing around a lights like a, <laughs> right. a under, under a cowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I really wanted to bring it up is not because I believe it or I think it's a good theory, per se, but the good it did for the fandom. In 2015, when The Force Awakens came out, the prequels were still hated. I'll, I'll always remember that first behind-the-scenes footage that... J.J. Abrams showed at San Diego Comic-Con in 2015 because mm -hmm. they weren't showing a trailer then. He just showed some behind-the-scenes footage. And it was so aggressively anti-prequel yeah. in its nature. It, it seemed like J.J. Abrams doing an ASMR video of just <laughs> what fans wanted, like real effects, yeah. practical sets. And, yeah. you know, that The Force Awakens was praised for that and the prequels were hated for it. But then one year later, in the spring of 2016, prequel memes started taking off on Reddit spearheaded by the Darth Jar Jar theory. Mm -hmm. And since then, the prequels have become much more loved, and they're not necessarily praised as being the best movies, but they're a heck of a lot of fun, and stuff like Darth Jar Jar is what makes it so fun. Yeah. I wonder if... 
the prequels also got more love now because we've all grown up and kind of circled back to mm-hmm. their appreciation. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about uh, like fan theories and stuff in general, right? And why it's kind of so dangerous is because there's a lot of fan theories that people had going into the sequel trilogy that mm-hmm. just never came true. Yeah. And I think that kind of like did a weird thing to a lot of people subconsciously where they weren't actively thinking it, but subconsciously they were like, well, this isn't exactly what I had in my mind. Therefore, since this is different, I don't like it. And I think that's why the prequels saw such a sudden spike in love because it was people our age who just grew up with it. We didn't have any speculation about this uh, uh, prequel trilogy. They just fed it to us on a plate and we're like, okay, yeah, this is what it is. I I think you're hitting something on the head that I've never really... I mean, I think I've circled around and thought about, but I think... uh, what you're saying, it like really made me think about it, which is the prequels of the sequel trilogy. We didn't have the internet, right? And so then when the sequel trilogy came out, you have all these fan theories, and then like so the expectations versus reality, where they mm-hmm. actually might be that actually might be a better story, right? That might be a better idea, but yeah. the actual execution is less. And then, but like when you look at the prequels, it was just whoever was at your lunch table talking. Like you, I did yeah. in, in like mm-hmm. 2002. <laughs> wasn't googling anything right uh it was just like yeah oh my friend kevin smith told me this might actually happen because of this stupid book he read right and it's like yeah and then he found the library that it might not actually exist yeah um and that's why you know as, as fun as fan theories and speculating is it does come with a, a required amount of responsibility because you do yeah. have to very actively tell yourself like listen this might not be how it happens in fact it's probably not how it happens but i got to take whatever they give me with an open mind and that's kind of like the darth jar jar theory right like don't expect that to happen i I mean i give that theory like a zero out of ten in terms of like how likely it is but i give it like a 10 out of 10 and how fun that theory is because there is a lot of evidence and like a lot of the memes and like just the things that they point to as far as like how it could be real it's fun it's fun to think about and i do like thinking about that that wasn't me i don't know who it was is it your laptop Oh, it could be. It could be the laptop. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. I was like, one thing is different. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but that brings up what I wanted to say also about the difference between fan theories and fan speculation. In my mind, at least, is that there are a lot of fan theories that I plan on talking about. But I tried to keep it different from like fan fan speculation about what is going to happen and mm. more about what could have happened and like ways to just take what we already have and make it a little bit different. So there are a lot of theories about like what. Ezra and Thrawn are going to be doing or Ahsoka training Luke but that's more just speculation about the stories we're going to be getting very soon but like Darth Jar Jar is a way to recontextualize a certain element and think about it differently similar to our next fan theory that I wanted to bring up and that is that Palpatine manipulated the force to impregnate Shmi Skywalker Anakin Skywalker was born without a father he was conceived by the will of the force seemingly and there are those that believe that Chief Palpatine manipulated the midi-chlorians within Shmi Skywalker to produce life. I mean, I could see that happening. I would prefer it not to be real just because Palpatine and the Skywalker are so intertwined. Do they need to be that much more intertwined? Like, I feel like those events happening simultaneously are just like the great coincidences, right? That those paths cross versus he had this master plan this entire time and everything had to go exactly step by step according to, to like this plan to to make it work like i just feel like those odds are not very likely versus he stumbled upon this and you know anakin skywalker and then ran with it i think that is more likely but that is a great i think it's a great it's a viable I, theory i disagree with your with like your your conclusion though but i agree with just about everything else that you said i think mm-hmm. that because they're so intertwined that is a good reason for the theory I think I think it's a good theory. I like it because of like you said, like it's to me they are so intertwined, and 
especially with the sequel trilogy with Rey being a Palpatine who becomes Skywalker, mm-hmm. I feel like that would only make sense to recontextualize that in order to be like, oh, this is why the Palpatines and Skywalkers are so intertwined together. But then does that not make it open up a whole can of worms to be like, you know, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan needed to find Anakin on that planet to bring him back to him? And every like just just like well, a that lot. can still be the will of the Force guiding their journey and Anakin's destiny, but it could still be started by Palpatine. I see. Not, I think not only that, but also how many plans did Palpatine have? I don't think that he had one single plan that went absolutely perfect. I think he true. had He's a man of contingencies. Exactly. I think he had a hundred contingencies. I don't know, but because look at his plan we just talked about. Let's look at his plan in Return of the Jedi, which is for Luke Skywalker to kill him and then become the ultimate Sith, and he does the same thing with Rey. Like, way later. I think he did have one plan. <laughs> he was no, that's the that contingency. Was his, that was never he, his plan with Anakin, though. He, he tried, tried to get Anakin to kill him. I guess that's... That's interesting. I, I really like this theory, and I do subscribe to it in my own headcanon. Yeah. I think it makes too much sense for Palpatine's character, for the vagueness of Anakin's immaculate conception. Yeah. I... I just think it answers a lot of questions, doesn't yeah, really bring I, up any holes for me. I feel like that's gonna, something that has to be answered at some point, right? If we can get Rogue One to fill in how they got the plans for the Death Star, the Immaculate Conception has to be explored, I feel well, like, at some point. It did come up in the Darth Vader comics mm. by Charles Soule. He, Darth Vader enters a Force Nexus in a dark side temple with Darth Momin, and Anakin, well, Vader has all sorts of dark side visions, and one of them is... You know, Palpatine behind Shmi's shoulder kind of doing a little voodoo thing and <laughs> saying, like, the power to create life. And it's implied that he mm-hmm. impregnated her. Um, it's not implied that that is canon, per se. It's not implied that that is actually what happened. It's more just a thing, a thought that has occurred to Darth Vader through the Force or through his own, you know, thoughts. And so I don't think yeah. it's really true based on that. But it's also not not true based on that. So I sub- I still subscribe to it. That's what I was going to say. It, it definitely has every reason for you to believe it. To me, there's like, other than just like a meta perspective of like, well, they never talked about it. They never confirmed it. So I'm sure that's not the case. There's every there's no other reason not to believe it. You, right. you know that Palpatine did learn how to have the ability to create life taught to him by his master. Uh, Anakin was born without a dad. Immaculate conception. Um yeah, I, I I think there's enough evidence there and then everything with the Darth Vader comic. And the f- kind of frustrating thing about the comics is that they kind of have to leave everything a little open-ended. So like you said, like there is like enough there for them to walk it back later and be like, well, that was just a vision that he had in the temple. That's not necessarily exactly what happened. And I think there was a statement or maybe like a tweet or something from Charles Soule who wrote it who even addressed that. Um, yeah, Charles Soule did talk about it and Mark Matt. Matt Martin, excuse me, Mark Matten is the character in the Star Wars comics that was named after That's Matt funny. Martin. Um, but yeah, in a tweet from Matt Martin, he says, it's part of my job to ensure the stories are aligned with the overall vision of Star Wars. If the intention was to make a direct connection between Palps and Anakin's birth, I would have had it removed. And Charles Soule responded and went on to say, I hate explaining stuff in my work too much in detail, but the dark side is not a, nar- a reliable narrator. So the authors and the creators behind the Smart. scenes are not committing to this but they don't need to for it to be a fan theory that we believe in exactly why did matt martin comment on it uh he brought it up first uh, he's a he's a story editor at lucasfilm he tweeted it though interesting yeah interesting. I, thought, I thought he was an author uh i don't believe so i think oh, he's okay. just a 
employee at Lucasfilm. Okay, never mind. That makes more sense why he brought it up then. I thought just a separate author was just talking about it. And I was like, I was wondering if he had some project or other work that also had a similar uh, theory that's included a, in it. But. That's a very funny thing to tweet at someone you kind of work with. Can you <laughs> imagine like you're you're working at a tweet from somebody like that's like adjacent to your position. You're like, just come to my office. Why are you tweeting <laughs> Why this? Why are we doing this in public, man? Right. No, Matt Martin and Charles Soule worked together on the projects to, to keep okay. the story aligned with <laughs> other canon. Apparently publicly sometimes. <laughs> sometimes publicly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next theory we have is from A New Hope, and that is when the gang, Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie are in the Death Star, that the Imperial Stormtroopers let them escape. They are not just missing and fumbling around because they're bad at their job. They were under orders from Tarkin to let them get to the Millennium Falcon and escape because they had a tracking beacon on the Falcon that he would track back to the Rebel base. What do we think? I think that makes... I mean, that's a fun theory, too, but I also just feel like there's way too many of them in order to let them go like there's like like 30 of them if they really wanted to let them go they would just stand by and let more of a clear path for them i would think besides shooting at them i think that oh, i disagree i think they just they were selling it they did they did their job right by the, killing themselves yeah i don't know uh, <laughs> yeah unwavering support for the empire <laughs> yeah. just doing, one random stormtrooper was given this order and he was like all right i'll die for this project yeah <laughs> that sounds great because the tracking beacking i mean that's i mean that's a, i mean that's a great tactic i would say that's very viable for that to happen for it to, worked yeah i mean i think that would make i th- make sense but i i yeah. don't know if tarkin is used to these i was gonna say is used to these kinds of rebels necessarily or having them infiltrate the death star like right something that's supposed to be fairly impenetrable is now penetrated and they're i feel like the, i don't know i feel like what's like in in the uh the equivalent of like waking up in the middle of the night uh to like a robbery i feel like where it's like well didn't see that coming and then you kind of scramble i don't know if he would have had time to really strategically plan where tarkin i feel like is a planner right he is a uh I don't well, know. He's a shrewd tactician. That's why I think again going Could back not have to said it better contingencies. <laughs> going back to contingencies, I think it's just two things that can coexist at once. I think he can place a tracker on the ship and they also did not want Princess Leia to escape. Yeah. I, I I also subscribe to this theory. I disagree. I think that I think this theory is a home run. I'm sorry, I'm being no fun this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the the idea that the stormtroopers are not idiots. I that's always been a very common meme and joke that they mm-hmm. miss a thousand times. I think it makes sense for Tarkin's character. Uh, it not to mention it worked. Leia knew that they were tracking them on the Millennium Falcon. And if they didn't make if, it seem urgent yeah. enough, maybe she would have got it removed. You know what? I'm gonna hop on board with you because I, if you just hey, all right, because if you cleared the hallways, you would know something was up. As the audience, you get that moment when they're walking through the halls and there's no stormtroopers and they just go on the Falcon. They're like, something's weird here. Yeah, Han goes running up chasing those stormtroopers and then you come into like 50 of them in a meeting what do you think they're talking about there's probably a guy up there with a megaphone saying let them go don't hit them we need another scene from a different perspective of right when han does that there's the megaphone goes away (laughs) (laughs) i i I believe it i like this theory i i get nervous though anytime somebody tries to use like oh it explains why the stormtroopers acted in a certain way because Mm -hmm. they act like that every single time you see them and it doesn't make sense that it's like oh this is why they were acting goofy in this situation and uh, why they were being able to die by Ewoks in Return of the Jedi is unexplainable. Well, I guess I'm only talking about A New Hope in this instance, which maybe isn't fair, but Ben Kenobi does talk about how only Imperial troopers are so accurate, and they make quick work of the stormtroopers, of the, the stormtroopers make quick work of the Jawas, 
and well, they stage it properly with gaffy sticks. They didn't walk single file, but they tried their best. To explain that, I actually have another fan theory that I think we're going to be getting into here in a second that kind of ties into it. The Are you talking about the Boba Fett killed Owen and Baru theory? Yes. All right. That one is in the special editions of the A New Hope that was released in 97. We see Jabba in Mos Eisley has a scene with Han and Boba Fett is there mm-hmm. off to the side. He has no real impact on the story in that scene, but it puts him uh, in that setting at that time right after Owen and Baru were killed. And stormtroopers are not known to incinerate and burn down people's houses. Neither are Tusken Raiders. Boba Fett has that moment in Empire Strikes Back where Darth Vader specifically says no disintegrations. So it makes sense that if Boba's there, he's chasing bounties. He incinerates Owen and Beru. What do you guys think? I have never thought about that, and I love that theory. I'm going to fully go on board with that. Yeah? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I do. And I think that's also, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the comics too that i think kind of helps corroborate it because Mm -hmm. right after the events of a new hope darth vader does go to boba fett to try to figure out who this luke skywalker person is and he tracks him back down to uh tatooine and a bunch of stuff happens but it's consistent with this theory and i think that makes sense i don't think it would be imperial stormtroopers who would go there say hey we're looking for these droids we know you had them here where are they and then they say oh we don't know they left and then they just immediately burn them no i think imperial stormtroopers would take them into custody they would interrogate them right we saw the interrogations droids i mean we know they have the ability to do that kind of stuff so yeah. no i'm like that's that's not what imperial stormtroopers would do boba fett really likes his flamethrower and if, if this was boba fett if this was boba fett then it would have been boba fett who was tracking them it would have been boba fett who found the jawas who then killed them as well, and that's why the blast points are so precise, not because it was stormtroopers, but because it was Boba Fett. Ah, but there were too many tracks. That's the thing, is that they didn't walk single file to hide their tracks, so we know there was multiple people. uh, He could have walked back and forth. Is there not not a world where Boba Fett, yes, is a bounty hunter that goes by himself, but he's also clearly, you know, in this moment, kind of under Vader's... um, command as well so is there not a world where boba fett is leading a charge along with stormtroopers yeah i think that makes sense right that's interesting and it's not like again it the, going back to uncle owen and Baru, it, it's not like they were going to interrogate them i think we just talked about that but it clearly wasn't that kind of situation there was no that was not an option right it was just coming going looking destroying what well, it was not luke skywalker that does play into the original creation of Boba Fett. He was originally supposed to be an, an Imperial elite stormtrooper who was then redesigned shortly after his concept art. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of recontextualized that and said, you know, at some points he, he really is an elite stormtrooper. Yeah. I like it. Yes. And it also adds a little bit more to Cad Bane's meaning at the end of Book of Boba Fett where he talks about Boba Fett uh, being a, uh, a what, how did he describe him? He calls him a murderer. A stone-cold killer, I a think. A stone-cold killer who works for the Empire. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of spot on. <laughs> I mean, that's not really an insult. He's just kind of stating a fact. But it, it, it happens in this way of, like, he, like, says it in such a way that, like, he bounty hunters yeah. look down on you for working with the Empire. And, and Boba Fett know... really doesn't work with the Empire that often in canon that we know of. Well, I, can't, I can't think of too many instances when he's not just chasing bounties. Yeah, and in Empire, it was a bunch of other bounty hunters that were also doing it. I was going to say, what is, like, Vanguard so, like, getting? Yeah, what that, that, doesn't seem, getting? that doesn't seem par from the course for bounty hunters at all to be occasionally taking bounties for the Empire. But if he's leading a group of stormtroopers to try track down these people at the behest of vader 
Yeah, that's a more hands-on, you're working with the Empire type of play. That's interesting. I always think of bounty hunters kind of operating in their own underworld kind of thing because of that line in Empire when the bounty hunters appear and the Imperials are like, they're disgusted. They're like, bounty hunters, we don't need their scum here. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think bounty hunters work with the Empire too much. No, I, I mean, they I did in, in I that scene. And I don't it was, think they do at all, basically. Yeah, I think that's why it's such a rarity. And then I yeah. think also... And why Cad Bane was so disgusted that someone would be willing to do it. Yeah, I Okay, think so. I, I misunderstood you. I thought you were saying that that wouldn't be uncommon. Okay, but yeah, no, I agree. All right, this next theory is the only one on my list that I had actually never heard of before when I was doing research for this mm-hmm. week. And so I'm curious if you guys have heard it, but it's probably my favorite theory I have prepared today. And that is Admiral Ozzel is a rebel spy. Just to catch you guys up, Admiral mm-hmm. Ozzel is the... Imperial in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back when the Imperial probe droid finds the shield generator on Hoth and Vader says, that's them, let's go. And he says, well, my lord, there's so many searching the galaxy. We can't just listen to this one. And then Vader says, no, that's them, we're going. And then they arrive and he comes out of hyperspace too close to the planet and alerts the rebels. And Admiral and Vader says he is as clumsy as he is stupid. And he's an Imperial Admiral. He's probably not clumsy and stupid. I think that Admiral Ozzel being a rebel spy, trying to keep them away from the rebels and then alerting them when he couldn't any longer, I think that is a slam dunk of a theory, and I'm 100% on board. And it's coming around just as the rebels destroyed the Death Star. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. there was probably a turning point in the war, and it was blowing up the Death Star, where maybe either people who are already within the Empire started to have doubts and are starting to kind of have backup plans, so to speak, or rebels are starting to make their way higher up into the Empire. So yeah, I think it's I, absolutely I think it's that one. I'd be surprised if Admiral Oswell was a was a true blood Imperial before A New Hope and then he turned. I think it's more like a mm-hmm. Lonnie from Andor where yeah. he was groomed for years and years until he reached Admiralship. And why, yeah. don't, why don't you think he could be a turncoat? Because uh, as an admiral, that's just too high in the ranks to not have to to go from. I mean, I guess maybe at the time of A New Hope, he was a captain or a general or something lower. But I yeah, think that would be too severe up. of a of a turn. But but like I said, it came right after the destruction of the Death Star. There absolutely could have been higher ups in the Empire that are like, "Hey, I'm all for the Empire, but that was messed up." Or I'm sorry, the destruction of Alderaan. Okay, yeah. I was gonna After say, the destruction of Alderaan, there was probably a lot of people in the Empire who were higher ups that were saying, "I like the Empire, but I don't like that." Honestly, beyond that, there's probably a lo- there's so many people that are on the Death Star. They probably lost how many people? So, well, the loss of the Death Star is more a rallying cry for Imperials to get more entrenched in their own beliefs and become more staunchly no, Imperial. For sure, I I just mean like you lose half how many people on the Death Star, so there has to be some people that are ranked up then. You're losing a creative director, and all of a sudden this new t- this like newbie editor is going to be ranked up to creative director real quick if you're running out of people. Oh, you know, Oswald might have been that's a how sophomore. He rose to power. That's what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Oswald might have been a sophomore at the Imperial Academy, and they were like, bro, we need guys stacked. That's what I mean. That, <laughs> in, like, if you're looking at war, right? Yeah, that's a good theory. They're like I, running I like low. That. They're like, you have to rank people up quick because you need someone to be the leader. But I, I guess either way, we're kind of splitting hairs over how Admiral Ozzel became yeah. a rebel spy, but I think we're all in agreement that we think Admiral Ozzel was a rebel spy in uh, Empire. Yes, absolutely could have yeah. happened. This is probably, of the fan theories that we're talking about, it might be like the least flashy, the least sexy, but I think it is definitely the most plausible. I agree. Yes. I think It's like a puzzle piece that fits just perfectly into does. an already yes. perfect story of Empire. I think the other thing, though, is something that they say in Andor is they become fat and lazy. And I think that is something else with the Empire, though, is that the they he could be stupid, right? I mean, he could be very complacent and lazy and thinking he's on the winning side. And so it's like, let's not go and do more work for, for nothing, potentially, as well. I do think he... I mean, I think it's a 
high possibility that he's but a fat spy. and lazy doesn't explain going against Darth Vader. I think That's I true. think true Imperials when they're talk to when they talk to Darth Vader and they say, "Oh, there's a system. There's Hoth. Let's go for it." No one's gonna say, "Oh, no, let's not do that." Yeah. I think every single person when you talk to Vader is a yes man. They say, "All right, let's go." I know, Absolutely. but then you're putting that on the line if you're actually a rebel spy and be like, "No, no, no." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> that's true. That is a risky move. You know that's your end game. Exactly, that's your you, end game. If you're that, you're he's an imperial admiral. He's living every single day like it's his last. He knows. I'm sure he's done a million things leading up to that point, all of which could have killed him. Or oh not, gosh. unless Ozzel he's a new recruit. A, he's a legend. <laughs> well, yeah. What an absolute hero! Yeah, he knew this was the last move. He yes. knew it was the last move when telling Vader not to go, and then he showed up too close, which he did get killed after that. But. But no matter how, no matter how you spin it, <laughs> yeah, no matter how you spin it, and it gave them just enough just Let's enough see the time movie. to be able to escape. Mm-hmm. Admiral Oswald from Dark Horse from oh from Echo Base. My yeah, next theory. Okay, I was gonna go. Uh, all right, we can talk about that one. Uh, that's another theory that isn't so much recontextualizing a story element like that, but it's just nice to think about. And that is that Rex, who we know was involved with the Rebel Alliance to a great degree. He named the base on Hoth Echo Base after his friend Echo. So I got a question mm-hmm. because I was trying to think about this and I was like, Echo. And I was like, well, I mean, that's just like common like military terms. You know, yeah. like that's just like the Alpha, Alpha Bravo, Alpha Charlie Bad. Delta. But then I was like, do they ever use any of those other letters in Star Wars? Have you ever heard Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta no. in any Star Wars? No. Oh, they have boy, to use that something. is quite a question. I am sure. I, w- I, I am too, but I'm like trying to spot. think of it. I'm trying to think of other clones because I, I I feel like they say it in the Clone Wars. I can't picture it though. Well, they do say. Do they not say Charlie? I don't know what you're talking about. Is this from Clone Wars? I, I, I don't so. know my military lingo as I'm well. Trying to place it's been it. years. Clearly, since I, I don't Call either. <laughs> the thing that's frustrating is I bet if we go back and watch uh, like a couple episodes of Clone Wars, we'll find like ten instances of it. Yeah, I know. It's hard to place, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard the Bad Batch say those words, maybe. But I don't think in the movies. Maybe you just heard him say Echo a whole bunch. Maybe. <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> I think this theory doesn't get blown out of the water if they did use that uh, the yeah. military alphanumeric very frequently. I mean, I to say that no, I just think it would solidify it. I think if you never heard them use the alphanumeric alphabet and then suddenly have an Echo base, I would be like, okay, yeah, that's named after Echo. I well, I don't either know way, is, what do you though. think? Do you think it is right now? With what we do know. Um, based on what we do know, I feel like we're missing one important element, and that is Echo's fate. I feel like it'll determine, uh, how the next season of Bad Batch ends, because the next season of Bad Batch is supposed to be the series finale, if I recall correctly. Yep, Yep, only three So, we'll see what Echo's fate is. I think if Echo dies in Rex's arm, then I'll say, yep, I'm 100% on board. Well, there's a lot of time between season three of the Bad Batch, assuming it takes place around the same era, maybe one or two years later after season two, at most. There's still a solid 10, 15 years until Empire Strikes Back, and we know Echo is not with Rex in Rebels. I think it's sad to think about, but if this theory is true, which I believe it is, then that implies Echo is dead at this time. Yeah, I think Echo will die for sure. In Bad Batch? Or, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I agree. Gonna, I think they all will die, honestly. Um, not a theory, but I was just thinking about how do you feel about the fact that they recreate tech or anybody else that has fallen as well uh, for them to kind of hunt them down as well. Because I feel like if you recreate a clone, um, I think that would be a kind of messed up story. Oh, man. Like, actually just clone another 
person to person be like to tech, be tech. But then I hadn't thought about to that. To be the opposite. Why can't they do that? They do have his body. That's what I'm saying. I mean, even if they didn't, they have the Kaminoans and they have the genetic template. Yep. Why can't they make another Clone Force 99? Well, that's. I feel like, I mean, that'd be a pretty brutal season. I don't think that'd go that dark, but if every member starts dying a little bit by little bit, they just keep ranking up and almost like the villainous version of the Bad Batch. Hmm. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Coming up with that on the fly. But in an ironic twist, the Bad Batch is actually good guys, so they call the bad guys the good batch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the spinoff. That's why it's only three seasons. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so fun. Starts. <laughs> All right. Next theory is that Palpatine drained Padme's life force to save Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It's so far canon, heavily implied, basically said that Padme died of sadness. That's kind of lame. This makes no, it a little it wasn't cooler. Sadness. It was for reasons we don't understand. That's right. For reasons we cannot according, explain. We're according to her. a medical droid, right, who is programmed to know everything about medicine to be able to treat any sort of situation, and this medical droid is saying, for reasons we can't explain, how how can you not explain this? That's I because know. the metal dro- medical droid messed up and accidentally <laughs> <laughs> cut an artery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't looking. oh no, Bruce, for reasons we do not know, <laughs> the body's gone. I question the integrity of these medical droids. I rewatched that the birth scene today, and the medical droid that is delivering Padme's babies is just sitting there saying, Uba, Uba. Like, excuse me? Like, get it. Like, talk to Padme. Deliver yeah. the baby. Like, I, I've had a baby, and they do more than that. I, I won't get into it, but that just seemed a little weak. When, when you were having your child, I also had a couple children myself. No one ever said Uba. Maybe that is what we're missing. Well, maybe, but our wives survived, so I'm, I'm not risking it. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I have a child, I will be whispering in her ear, Uba, and we will see what happens. You're two oh, for two. Don't do it. Your wife is going to hate that. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's a I think it's a very good theory. I like it a lot, and I do subscribe to it. I do not subscribe to this one. I think it stretches really? the limits. I don't on think Palpatine's. we've agreed on any of these yet. Serious? I've I was I oh we liked uh, the the Admiral Ozzel one, but that one's a that was gone. unanimous. Team Ozzel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a softball. I think this theory stretches the limits on Palpatine's powers a little too much. Pa- Padme is at po- Polis Massa. A planet and asteroid basically mm-hmm. who knows how far away and he's going to be draining her life force in real time like how did that that just seems well that's why it's so difficult and why it's taken him so long it just seems beyond the bounds of his power process i don't I know agree. Matt, i think it's a little too far i think if you can't set limits into this you get into that superman range where it's no longer fun batman great villain he has a lot of uh weaknesses right superman very unfun to watch in any sort of medium because he's He's a trump card. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's no fun to watch. If, if Palpatine is able to just drain someone's life force from across the galaxy, then he's that's that's a little too OP for me. Yeah. If he can do Immaculate Conception and take someone's life away, it's too much. It's a hat on a hat. Take one, not the other. Yeah. In, in the Immaculate Conception fan theory, in my head, he went to Tatooine to do it. He was not doing it from his home on Coruscant or Naboo. Yeah. If, if he was in the room, much if more pa- valid. If Padme was in the room, yes. Or even like in the same planet or city, I, w- I think I would believe it. But yeah. The fact that he she was so far away, she was hidden. They went there to hide. Yeah, I don't believe it. That's interesting. Yeah, because he would know where she was then. Mm-hmm. There's there's a theory that you know he could take Anakin and Padme's connection to kind of do it like an echolocation kind of thing. From that's what I was going to say. And the fact that she was having two of his kids, maybe he could like sense her presence a little bit easier. That makes it better, but I, it's still just it, a little too far for me. It is a little low p. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that I is agree. that is quite an ability that you would have to to nerf somehow. Yeah. All right. Well, how about this Palpatine theory that he lost the duel to Mace Windu on purpose so that Anakin would walk in, see 
Mace Windu trying to kill him. Um, I could see that happening, but like, that's a risky move. Like, yeah, uh, I agree. Because I don't subscribe I don't, to this yeah, theory because it's too risky, and I don't think he would leave it up to chance yeah. like that. That Mace Windu would just take an extra five seconds. Like, if he just leaned forward at the wrong time. Yep. I think the same thing. Generations with those, of rule of two Sith with goes the, out the window with the stormtrooper theory. I think it's kind of the same thing where it's like, if they could, uh, I don't know, just the fact that like one, you're, you're risking people's lives or your own is a little dicey. I think if it was, you know, it's a fun theory, but I think that's the thing with all of these until they're like in the movies or there's some sort of intent. It's like impossible to really know. Yeah. Um, but I think like the, like the rebel spy, right? Like that is an interesting theory because like then we in Andor see those kind of hints throughout right and then like in tarkin we know that it's calculated so it's like maybe he did do that but then the stormtroopers are at risk and then in this palpatine's putting his life on it, i don't know it just seems like a lot i think the stormtroopers being at risk and palpatine putting his life on the line is <laughs> a very a different thing <laughs> i don't think he would think twice about that that's like dropping a dollar for him <laughs> it does I, again, go back to the idea of contingencies. I think what made Palpatine so successful and what makes him such a great villain is not that he had this crazy plan with these absolute insane details that all just happened to fall in place perfectly. Mm -hmm. I think what makes him so great is that he had these contingencies. He was a planner. He had multiple plans for no matter what happened, and no matter what happened, he always knew how to twist it to his benefit. I think that's the story of Palpatine. I don't think there was one grand plan that he just knocked out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we know he had at least 66 plans for the clones alone. <laughs> yeah. Probably more. We don't know what any of those other 65 were. No. Yeah. They were pretty low. Actually, better benefits, well, better meals. Those were like two right there. If uh, if if the final order was Exegol, then that means that there were at least sixty-seven. So, yeah, that's true. And he had the first order before then too. <laughs> oh, the first order. Oh my gosh, I never even made that connection before. The first order and the final order. Do you think the first order came from Palpatine, and that's why they're called the first order? Uh, yes, because there is. Oh shoot, a book. I think one of the aftermath books that ends with the. Grand Admiral Ray Sloan going to the Unknown Regions and says, like, we're going to rebuild. That is our first order. And she doesn't say who that order is from or anything? Mm -mm. But, like, that's the first order. And then For that to be the, the first order that Palpatine had would certainly call into question his planning, the fact that these were so out of order from each other. Well, it seems like first that would have fallen significantly after 66. It's his first order after the Empire. Once the Empire has fallen, that's the first order. So this is list two, order one. I mean, there's <laughs> yes. a high potential. He's a very much a, like a Larry David type character that he just, you know, he was not meant to be famous, but he stumbled into it. <laughs> God willing, he did it. I'm imagining Palpatine having like a 5,000 row Excel spreadsheet of all his contingencies. And then at the end, you get to it and it says sheet two. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> sheet two. The, the if-then statements that this guy has drawn out on whiteboards is absolutely insane. Like, right, well, if this happens, I'm going to do that. I have one more Palpatine theory that I want to get through while we're talking about him. Uh, what do we think about the theory that Palpatine either aided or started or heavily supported the Rebel Alliance? Because he needs someone to fight because the Empire is based on you know fear and hate. And if they just sit back in peacetime and focus on what the Empire is doing for them, it's nothing good. One interesting part that I had that I thought about with this is when I was rewatching the Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine says right after uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader, the Jedi are relentless. If they are not all destroyed, it will be civil war without end. And I think he was kind of betting on that. And then Vader kind of did his job a little too well 
and mm. actually did kill all the Jedi effectively, such that there was not a civil war with the Jedi anymore. So he had to foster his own. I mean, if you're looking at like real-life politics, real-life wars, it's a very valid uh, theory, I feel like, right? I mean, yeah, how many... I, mean, I feel like wars almost always benefit the leaders, right? Yeah. I mean, how many weapons, right, has the U.S. given to other <laughs> countries that have then turned around and then we've been in wars with? I feel like yeah. that is an, a legitimate... Uh, I feel like that is a legitimate theory that could work. That is like presumably some sort of tactic that is beyond my knowledge. Yeah, the way I'm the way I'm framing it, and kind of the way I saw it framed on the internet when I was looking at this theory is, you know, he aided or controlled the rebellion to a degree, which to aided, a degree sure. it could definitely mean got out of his control. I think if he did do something to start it, like maybe he tried to plant like a couple terrorist attacks or something for them for yes. him to blame somebody on. Well, I was gonna say that it didn't get out of his control, but he had the power to destroy the rebellion and chose not to but he kept them along longer yeah, than I could, he needed to and then it gets too big because the good and the the good in the galaxy i could see that happening i i believe that i believe that theory not that he yeah. started that's it interesting but i, would need, I do I think that he know. pulled back but a same, little when he didn't i need don't to. know if i subscribe to this one i would need to know more details i would need to know when these changes occurred and when when he could have snuffed it out when he chose not to and the point that it got too big because i don't think that he just had that in his back pocket the whole time of like eh, i could take him out if i want to but this is kind of benefiting me and then all of a sudden the death star blows up and he's like whoa wait a minute what's going on here I think but why, I, I need to know more. He's I'm, just hanging out somewhere else. So he's just chilling on some sort of beach until the Death Star blows up. He's like, oh, I got to get back. <laughs> I got to go. Well, that does, not subs- that does not play into our discussion that he has so many contingencies because when the Death Star does blow up, he's like, oh, crap, I actually really need that for all my contingencies. We got to get a new one going right away. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That was the one thing he hadn't planned for. <laughs> I imagine there is like, this feels like a robot chicken episode where like in A New Hope, Pebbleteen's on some beach. He's controlling everything. Everything's great. He's laissez-faire. Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star. Then he's like, I have to leave. I'm so far away. So in Empire, he's on the ship. That's why he's only a, 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 a hologram. And then finally, in return, he's there. He's like, fine. Made it. All right. Got to get my robes on. <laughs> he's all sunburned, sun-dried out. <laughs> Dried out. That's why he looks That's like why that. he looks like that, yeah. He actually got better over the years. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, his skin routine was gone. <laughs> he, he was listening to Ben Kenobi's skincare products. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next theory. Um, well, what does everyone think about the Palpatine aiding or pulling back on the Rebellion? I, I subscribe to him not destroying the Rebellion when he could have. I think, but not further than that. I think in the in the history of everything, sure, that's vi- very viable. But the same, because I think same thing with him in, in the council and everything too. With him leaving everything as chancellor, right? I think he is very calculated, and I think he knows a lot that's going on. I think once becomes the emperor a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll go fifty fifty. I'm just I'm just kind of talking in circles. Max? I'd, I'd go a l- lean a little more towards the other way. I would say no. It's it's a no for me. I I okay. am not subscribing to the theory. Like I said, I'm a little too skeptical. I need to know a little more of the details of what exactly he was. If he was aiding and abetting, what exactly that entails, or if it was just, oh, he could have done more to snuff it out, but he chose not to, I need to know more about that, too. I need to know what exactly they were doing, what he could have done, and at what point it got out of hand, because obviously it did. All right. Well, that's what's so fun about fan theories. No one's right or wrong. But my yes. next theory, I do think there is a correct answer, and I will be a little <laughs> bothered if no one does. And that is that Finn is force sensitive. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's never explicitly stated. It's so heavily implied that it does fit the parameters of the list I was making and our discussion today. But I think 
Hundred percent, right? Yeah, I was annoyed when I saw this on the list. I I wouldn't even say that that's a fan theory at this point. It yeah. has to be because he hasn't explicitly used the force, and there are people that no. say he might not be. I don't know, uh, but we're. I don't want to waste our time talking about it because it's so yeah. obvious to us. But the least, only thing right? I'll I'll say is that I don't think it's explicit in Force Awakens. I know that he says that the force brought them together and everything, but I feel like I think there's there's breadcrumbs that are more and more in each movie, and I think in Rise of Skywalker it is the most relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I think it is a significant climb. Um, with that being said, I don't think there's enough for it, weirdly, in uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi for him to be a full Jedi or anything. But like, I feel like he could have definitely used the Force in Rise of Skywalker to be like, this is now significant. That would have been like the ultimate, okay, great. Well, Send I think he way. did use the Force because he knew when Rey died, he felt her connection in the Force and he yeah, felt that's her true. die. But he was I able meant... to hold his own against Kylo Ren yeah. in the well, Forest. I'm okay with that not being a Force thing. I, yeah. After The Force Awakens, I did not think he was Force sensitive. No, but going back, I think there's a lot that... Going back, yeah, like Matt was saying, the breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. breadcrumbs. I, there's a multiple lines in The Rise of Skywalker about it where they're falling into the um, the quicksand, whatever that stuff was, and he was yeah. like, Ray, there's something I need to tell you, Ray, Ray, and then he falls down, and then he doesn't say, and then later, they bring it up multiple times, yeah. what you were going to say, feeling. and then he doesn't say what it was, and it's like, I, I understand uh, some of the criticism for The Rise of Skywalker's writing, but you don't leave all of those lines in there if you never intend to do anything with it in the future that's because it's a reshoot right i mean it is weird that they left it in at all since they didn't do anything with it in the in the movie but i think that's just all the more reason why they have to come back why it's going to be addressed at some point maybe finn doesn't come back maybe or john boyga uh we don't see finn in live action but it's going to be addressed in some sort of uh animated series or book comic book or like we've talked about previously already, hopefully John Boyega does come back and is in the Finn movie yeah. and he is force sensitive and it kind of ties a neat bow on all of it. I agree. I just don't see a world where there's not a cut or there's not an edit with him being force sensitive. If you do the rule of three, he does it twice, right? And at the very end, there's not really a payoff. And I would be shocked if they did not film... Uh, you mean a cut of The Rise of Skywalker before it was edited and reshot? Yeah, not, maybe not even a cut, but I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked if they were like, okay, let's get two for safety. <laughs> and and then they went with the other. <laughs> what are you talking about with the the rule of three? What are the first two instances? He he, oh. he senses when Ray die or yeah when Ray dies. No, not even that. I just mean when he's talking about the feeling when he's saying Ray, I have to tell you something. He oh never does. oh. I mean he brings like, that up twice. Yes, there's the, there's literally just two times. So the, the third time is the, the second time being when he talks to Jana about the feeling. No, when he's like I got uh, yeah the or the the feeling that uh, there's a feeling right, and then when he has to tell Ray something, and then the, the you think the third time would be when he like just say uses the force for something to move something to well i think the third time would be then feeling ray die because he was using the force for that no he also, he also knows which ship is leading the way yes that's true but i mean yeah. so there's all these things but i feel like you need a you need an event that we just solidifies listed a lot it. more than three but none of those yeah. have that that last event like I, yeah if about. we're leaving breadcrumbs i need a full loaf by the end yeah we don't get it we get maybe a half a slice yeah okay yeah, yeah that's a good a way slice. to say it but as far as we're concerned, I think this theory, 100%, we're on board for. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to start using half a slice for everything now <laughs> going forward that we think is uh, half-baked. I it's, I don't want to linger too long on this specific one since we're all in agreement, but I feel like it <laughs> you would... keep saying that? If you said, if you said that Finn isn't Force-sensitive, I would say that's more of a fan theory at this point than saying that he is. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I like to think that's true. It's definitely true among us. It's, it's hard to say among the Star Wars fandom as a whole. But our next theory is... Also from the sequels, and that is that Han Solo 
killed himself, sparing his son from having to make the decision of whether or not to kill him. I'm going to need convincing one way or another. I'm in the middle. I don't know how to feel about this one. After um, The Force Awakens came out, I read um, the Aftermath trilogy, and I think it was the second Aftermath book in which... um, Life debt? uh, Yeah, in which the main character's father comes back, but he was brainwashed um, by the... um, I guess they were still the Empire at that time, but they were just kind of like the the remnants a little bit still. Um, And he was brainwashed, and he was doing all of these evil things under the cloud of darkness and that was like a very literal thing like every time it was dark he was like brainwashed and he yep. was doing evil things including an assassination attempt on mon mothma spoiler alert for those who haven't read life that um and so i thought that kylo ren was going to be brainwashed and that's why in that scene he does have that mixed emotion where you, you kind of see in his eyes he wants to come back to his father because they're showing you the sky they're showing the sun being drained by star killer and it's getting darker as it goes on and as soon as it drains it and it's completely dark is when he kills han solo mm-hmm. and so after reading the book i thought that that was definitely a tie-in that kylo ren is being literally brainwashed and that there was going to be something about that in the future but obviously that never really happened i think they were just going for more of like a, a more of a, a literal kind of symbolism type thing that he was doing it as it was getting darker back when we thought that the books were going to have more significant story implications on the movies well how, yeah 2015 2016 that Different was a fun time. time that was a wild time but maybe ray sloan will come back maybe this, one day this is a podcast heavily dedicated to ray sloan we talk about her far more than i think any other podcast ray sloan i i mean i would say that it's that he did not kill himself i mean it's just a visual representation of him the dark side taking over when it's a just a visual representation visual storytelling right when that turns dark he is like yes we're feeling what kylo ren is feeling not the other way around where the mood is (laughs) affecting him but why not show the hands i don't know i'm sure they have an insert show which one of them ignited the lightsaber you mean yeah yeah i think that was intentional i remember in 2015 2016 i was Big on board with the Kylo Ren didn't do it. And, yeah. you know, he dropped his helmet and he says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. We didn't know if that meant killing Han Solo or not killing Han Solo. Each yeah. would require an equal amount of strength, honestly. Um, I think but Han- now I don't Sorry. I don't think I subscribe to this theory. No. So what do you think he meant when he said that then? I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Yeah. Kill Han Solo. Yeah, absolutely. Kill Han Solo. And then I think he did it. Yeah, I agree. And you think Han was just misreading that whole situation? No, I think he was well, genuinely no, I think it was trying to take his son back to the light side, right? Yeah, I think Han was reading it the same way I did at the time, that it was like 50-50. He either means to kill him or to not kill him. And Han Solo's going to put everything on the line to try to get his son back. So I think it's whether... Yeah, and Han took that 50-50 chance. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think Han, when he gets stabbed, looks genuinely shocked when he gets when he gets got. And then I think... At the end, it makes sense. There's that no way to get stabbed with a lightsaber, no matter how much you see it coming. That <laughs> no, yes, you're I, not going to be a little shocked. I think, and, I, and then I think at the end, when he comes back to him, it would make more sense because if Han Solo's coming back to him when, after he killed himself, that'd be so weird. So yeah, I don't. I think that would still work. I, I think because not if he, if he well. did kill himself, he was obviously doing it for Kylo Ren. Yeah, I mean, the, we, we're not saying Han Solo was suicidal by any means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He seemed like he was in a lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, things went a little downhill for him after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think the line in the Last Jedi when Kylo Ren says, "I killed Han Solo," and Snoke says, "And look at you, the deed split your spirit to the bone." I think that was genuine. I agree. Kylo Ren, and that he did kill Han Solo. But is but it... what does Snoke know? Snoke is a terrible narrator for these types of things well, because it was he Kylo also that said that. 
What did he say? Say it again. Kylo Ren said, I killed Han Solo. And then Snoke says, and now look at you. The well, deed split your I spirit think to the Well, Kylo Ren's going to say that either way. I know, but I believe him. He's not going to say, I was going to kill him. I swear I was going to kill I him, but yeah, he killed himself. I do no, think I feel, like, I feel like if the Sith is an unreliable narrator, which is what you said earlier in this episode, yep. if two Sith are talking, it cancels out. Double negative. So, so it has to be true. So it's, gonna be it's, true. So it's true. It has to be true. <laughs> the math of Star Wars. No, I think I think I think Kylo Ren said what he said one way or another. Uh, he was going to say that no matter what, and you can't trust anything that Snoke says because clearly his insight is a little flawed because he thought that Kylo Ren was going to kill Rey when he killed Snoke. So you can't. I, no, I I can't put too I'm much. Not, stock I'm not putting into any. That. I'm not putting any stock into what Snoke said. It was just the way that Kylo Ren said it, which Adam Driver's performance it it convinced me. I believe him. Yeah, I agree. I think the most convincing thing that I've heard is when Matt talked about him coming back in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think that oh, makes that was... the most sense. I think if you kill yourself and then you're like, "Hey, kid, remember me?" That's like just like emotional torture. Yeah, like, you killed yourself <laughs> yeah, in front of me, and now you're coming back again. He doesn't come back. He's not a force ghost. He comes back. It's a memory of Kylo Ren. Correct. He, he doesn't come back. He's not a f- yes. No, and then also going back to him killing himself, it wouldn't make any sense. So if he he just willingly is like, "Yes, I'm gonna do this for you," so you can go on being bad. I don't think I think our the art. No, the theory well, is that he killed himself. So Kylo because doesn't have to do it. He knew that yeah. Kylo wouldn't turn to the light, but if Kylo Ren voluntarily killed Han Solo, he would have been past the point of no return. So he knew I can't get him back, but I don't want him to be completely evil. So I have to do this for him. Is the theory? I know it just doesn't make any sense to me. It <laughs> makes sense to oh, me. That makes perfect sense. Uh. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm still I, mixed I, on I it. understand the theory. I just I just oh, don't subscribe to I it. I understand it. I just think it's dumb. <laughs> dumb. That's yeah, a strong word. This is one of the, I think this is one of the best theories we're talking about tonight. Oh, get out of here! Because it's a, it's a thing with no with no. It's a lose lose for Han Solo. Han Solo goes out there and mm-hmm. he knows he's not going to be able to you know embrace Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and bring him home. Yeah. It makes that scene so much better. And from he the moment also he goes doesn't out, want Kylo Ren to kill him because if he knows if Kylo Ren kills him, he's truly evil. So he yeah. does the only thing he can to save him down the line, which is kill himself, <laughs> which is why child. because the the other thing that no one has said yet that I think about too with this theory is that in the next movie, The Last Jedi, he has the exact same beat with his mom when he's about to blow up the command ship mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie and he he hesitates again and he still can't do it and then the other TIE fighters come in and blow it up for him. If he was able to kill Han Solo, why wasn't he able to kill his mom? Because it, That's interesting. It, because it broke him in half. He already killed his the first parent. Mm-hmm. Can he kill he, the last? Because he's bumming? Yeah. He, not even because <laughs> it, it literally... Broke him in two. It split his spirit to the bone. Yeah. yeah. So literally, he's like, "Can I d- actually do this again?" Oh man, now it, it sounds like I'm great points. Now I'm in the middle. What, Luke? I, I get back over here. <laughs> it sounds like I'm advocating for it. I just I like the theory a lot. I am very split on it. I I am in the middle. I still don't know if I uh, subscribe uh, to it. You but... just lack conviction. You want me to hop onto that side for you? <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. no, 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 no. Someone right. needs to pull me one way I don't or another. Think, I don't think Kylo I, Ren I killed him. I think Han Luke, did it. Luke. He dropped. He, Kylo Ren dropped his helmet. He said, "Dad." I, he was he was back. I don't think he was killing Tom in that moment. That visual representation when you know he's changing. <sighs> Luke, the visual we're representation never agreeing on anything. Get you... back over here. What are you doing? <laughs> the visual time. representation is when you know that Han is dying. You don't know what Kylo Ren's thinking from the visuals. You just know yes, that it's do. Han Solo's last moment. Well, you know it's Han Solo's last moment as soon as he steps over an endless pit. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying, though, is the I, Emperor came back. Han's coming back. I think that is one of my favorite... That probably is my favorite Han Solo moment. Probably my favorite Harrison Ford performance in Star Wars is when he steps out under the catwalk and says, Ben. Yeah. Like, that was just yeah. such a gut-punching it is. performance. And the fact that they named him Ben, and we didn't know that yet, 
Oh, I, I love that scene. Yeah. I remember uh, seeing that in theaters and the collective audience all had the same reaction of like, oh, like, <laughs> of course his name is Ben. Like he walked out there and like, and it's, it's so fun when you're like experiencing these for the first time because you don't know what he's going to say. Right. And you're like, you don't think about like, oh, is he going to call his name? Kylo, you know, and it's like he gets out there and he says Ben and right oh, away, man. like just so many things hit you all at once. And you're just like, it's actually because if he said his name and it, and it wasn't like a, an impactful name, like can you imagine if you just got out there and was like, hey, Doug, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually so much hey, more Wedge. Hard, hard... And people are confused. It's a common name in this galaxy. <laughs> that's, that's kind of heartbreaking after Kenobi as well, I guess. I didn't. I've never. I haven't connected those two. Just that after. Leia named her son Ben after Ben Kenobi. Yeah, I mean, I've connected that, but I mean, like, I haven't considered those movies with Kenobi the show. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's that's <laughs> what I meant. Because after <laughs> you're like, hey, this obvious thing. <laughs> there was like five years when people were talking about how Leia named her son after some guy that he met. She met for like one day on the yeah. Death Star and then died. Yes, and and who Han made very clear he didn't like at all during that time anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember that. Everyone was like, that's weird, right? That's another oh, great maybe example. Maybe it's his kid. That's another great <laughs> example of Star Wars going back and recontextualizing things for the better. Yep. Absolutely. The additional story elements. It's, ah. All right. Where do we land on that theory? I'm on board with Han killed himself. And, oh, wait, no. Yeah, no. Han killed himself. Kylo Ren did not kill him. Han sacrificed himself to save his soul from eternal darkness. Matt Damn strongly you. disagrees. I strongly disagree, yes. Strongly disagree. They're strongly fan disagree. theories. Neither of us are wrong. You were on my side until two minutes ago. <laughs> Max convinced me. You gotta be more convincing, Matt. You have weak morals, Luke. Side. Weak morals. <laughs> <laughs> and Max, you're still on the fence. I'm on the fence. Uh, I don't know. You're a coward. I see great points both ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got two more. Um, they're both quicker, I hope, because we are running out of time. We have R2-D2 was flying Anakin's N1 Starfighter in The Phantom Menace while Anakin thought it was on autopilot. No, all the evidence points to the contrary. What's, what's the b- evidence for this? That he was going to join the fight. No. But he, he knew he was on autopilot, and then he tells R2 to take the controls off, and then he starts navigating. Like, how would he know he's on autopilot one minute and then the next realize that it's not? And then we I also think R2 flashed something incorrectly on the screen that said autopilot while he was flying. And then once he knew Anakin was on board with the plan to go join the fight, R2 was like, okay, I got him here. If if that is true, then the whole Pottery scene is more null and void than anything, because the only reason we see that is for him to understand he's a great pilot, not only for the rest of the series, but for that ending. Yeah, I would would say I strongly disagree with this one. Same. Why would he fly into the Trade Federation ship? Think of that from R2's perspective, right? R2 flies in there, he's like, I know exactly what I'm doing, and then he just, like, skids to a stop, and R2's just like, all right, give me a minute, kid, hold on, hold on, hold on. Meanwhile, Anakin's flipping toggles in the cockpit, and he's like, all right, here we go, we're good now, we're good. I guess I didn't rewatch the scene in preparation for this episode. Anakin is actively trying to get it off autopilot, and he, like, figures it out after a while. Are you sure you're not thinking of the scene where he's trying to figure no, out because how to it's taking the him, it's taking him directly. Uh, no, because it's taking him directly to the f- to the fight. Yeah, the autopilot, the R two, or the autopilot. The is autopilot. taking him directly to the fight. Anakin says something about autopilot in that scene. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he says it's he says it's on autopilot. But I yeah. mean, what does he know? It, he could, it could have been R two. Also, uh, it gets into the you know nitty gritty of what is the difference between autopilot and a droid pilot. Yeah. All I'm saying is we're going to be talking about this with R5. It, yeah, I, I strongly disagree. I don't think... Really? I, yeah. I thought this was a fun theory that was, you know, non-consequential, kind of inoffensive. You and know, I, here's, here's the thing about fan theories, right? Some are good and some are bad. You have to have... <laughs> no, I'm not saying that to okay. be condescending. I'm not saying that to be <laughs> condescending. I, I'm not. You have to take them both. You have to hear good... You have to hear bad fan theories so that when you hear a good one, you're like, oh, I'm kind of convinced, actually. That's why I included because the Darth the thing- Jar Jar theory. <laughs> 
No, the, well, the Darth Jar Jar one's interesting because to me, that actually has some sort of evidence backing it up, no matter how stretched it is. This one, I don't see any reason either. I don't see any reason for the story, for any of the character development, like Matt said. Like, Well, it's not a character or story-driven theory. It's just kind of a fun, inconsequential thing that Anakin thought it was on autopilot, and R2's sitting in the back, gritting his teeth, going like, that yeah, does not make don't sense know, from it's on autopilot. When he flies into the Trade Federation ship, comes to a skidding stop, and then Anakin has to reboot the whole thing, and secretly it's R2 being like, I don't know what happened. Hold on, I got to do a hard reset. I think you're misremembering The Phantom Menace. What is this hard stop, and Anakin reboots it? I don't think that happens. When he comes to a skidding stop in the middle of the Trade Federation ship. Matt. Yeah, they go yeah, he goes into straight into it. He goes straight into it. Does he stop when he gets there? Yeah, because he everyone's surrounding him, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Am I misremembering this? No, because I'm having the same unless there's is like a Mandela. Is another, yeah, I was about to say this is a Berenstein Bears type situation now. Are you gonna pull up the scene? Yeah. Are you are you good with dead air while we <laughs> fact check and edit it out? I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm you say I lack conviction. I'm gonna double down on my conviction right now, and it's either going to really back me up or it's going to make me look terrible. I'm true, gonna say if, he if came to a scene, skidding stop in the Trade Federation ship. If it goes like that, I will be a hundred percent on your side with this fan theory. I feel like we're skipping over the fact that it makes no sense to see the pod racing scene to make to know he's a good flyer. Correct. The whole point was that he's a very I, capable pilot. Although I'm not, I'm not there's saying, another fan theory that it was Qui Gon Jinn that was. Oh my god! <laughs> that was pod racing. Yeah, <laughs> I have um, heard that fan theory. I don't, theory I don't as well. see what the pod racing has to do with this. I mean, either way, Anakin what? still does the flying in the Battle of Naboo, but R two is the one that flies him there instead of the autopilot. Because the whole point is to establish Here's that he's scene. he's a capable pilot. Oh, is this what scene you were talking about? Yeah, yeah when he comes flying to a, into the Trade Federation ship. There he is. He's coming to, to a skidding to a stop. So you is. think that's R2 in the back right now is being like, oh, crap, I don't know what just happened. No, Hold this on. is well over Anakin took it off autopilot. Anakin flew in there. Oh, my gosh. You're saying just the part that's on autopilot yes. was R2. Not yeah, the part that Anakin says it's on autopilot until he takes it off autopilot. Okay, I completely misunderstood this whole prompt. All right, what, so you think it was just R2 that took him to the fight instead of some programming? Yeah, like you said, we're just really splitting hairs over I what's considered autopilot. I was trying to say it's an inconsequential, inoffensive kind of fun theory that I doesn't really matter. Now, yes, I see I was, now why that's yeah, so interesting. I see why you are talking about pod racing, yes, too. Yes, good. Anakin did the flying and all the heroics. Okay, okay. Yeah, because Matt and I thought you were taking that whole third we're act like, away from Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. We're like, no! <laughs> All right, I, I will try to speak more clearly in the future. No, well, well, Matt, where do you land on the theory now that we know? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's too inconsequential. <laughs> it's fun. R2 is helping. He said, Anakin, we got to go. <laughs> oh all right, I'll believe it. I'll, bu- I'll buy on to sure, it. Sure, I'll hop on board with they you. Don't, they I have don't no all have to be the difference between <laughs> Kylo Ren's entire character arc. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We should fan, theories, fan theories are fun theories sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's no Ozzel. I'll say that. Yeah. It's no Oswald. That's fine. All right. Last one I have for discussion. C-3PO's... Team Oswald t-shirts for our merch (laughs) store real quick. Oswald gang. Um, Last theory. C-3PO's memory restoration at the end of The Rise of Skywalker was comprehensive. R2 restored his memory from before the mind wipe at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So C-3PO remembers Anakin and Padme's wedding, Shmi Skywalker and Klee Glars, the fall of the Jedi, all of it. How does he do it, though? Because he says that R2's memory banks are reliably, or um, what does he say, like historically unreliable or something? Infamously unreliable? Something that made you think that it was... In the Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Because he says something to to that effect in in The Force Awakens when they're waiting for him to wake up and show the rest of the map to Luke. 
No, he's, he says something about it in um, The Rise of Skywalker as well. Something about uh, R2's... I forget the words that he uses, but memory banks are notoriously unreliable. That sucker can fly, though, I'm going to tell Some, you. Something like that. He didn't even do good flying. He just <laughs> flew up. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I don't know. So the impression that I got was that he was restoring them from his memory databanks. From which, R2's memory databanks? Yeah, and yeah. R2's was also wiped after Revenge of the Sith. So no, it was not. What? No, Bail Organa says have the protocol droids memory wiped. R2 retains his memories. He does not say that. He says have the droids memory <sighs> wiped. Max, I'm not... I don't want to have to pull up another quote from the movie. Live, he says that he says the protocol droid. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm looking it up. I was right about the first one. I'm okay being wrong about this one. I, I am. I'm 100. If that's the case, I need to know this right now because I was under the impression my whole life that hold on. So how does that make sense? R2 remembers Obi Wan. R2 remembers Yoda. Oh yeah. What? I, w- I would love right now if you just like started hating Star Wars. I'm trying to think <laughs> of a reason. Star Wars is ruined. Disney just ruined Star Wars. Um. I'm trying to think of a reason as to why that can't be. Because it's also such an easy write-off for you... George Lucas to be like, oh, and Bill O'Grana will tell him to wipe their memories. That way I don't have to worry about continuity errors. But George Lucas took the time to be like, no, R2 can remember all this. 3PO can't. Because well, why well, wouldn't like... R2 just say this stuff to 3PO and then be oh like, hey, gosh, 3PO, Max, this you, guy? You are literally 15 years late to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Blow my mind, Luke. Blow my mind. Do you remember at the end when that scene, when Bail Organa says, have the protocol droid's memory wiped, and then it does, <laughs> a, it does a circle wipe yes. where the screen closes in, and it focuses and it closes in on C-3PO alone yes. while he does like a fake surprised look? Yes. Because he's, because he's about to get his memory wiped? He says protocol droid? He does say protocol droid, yeah. What? He's... Why... Then why did R2 just not tell C-3PO so much of the stuff that happened? You're going to rewatch all these movies now with a different context? I I mean, I'm going to refer you to a thousand different message boards from the last 15 years. But back to to what we're talking about, that leaves the door open to R2 restoring that memory wipe as well as the one in in The Rise of Skywalker. Well, then why, back to my point, though, when I said why wouldn't he just tell him this stuff earlier? Like, why why would he do it here and not at any point sooner? Hmm. Well, I think that's uh, the yeah, that's the know. goal, right? Is that he is unreliable, because because the rebels wanted C three PO's memory wiped, the war was over, when he restored his memory, and so it was no longer a, a security threat. That seems pretty messed up, though. Well, that's only subscribing to the fan theory, because yeah, the, in I, terms of the movie, it's just the memory that C three PO had wiped at Kajimi. I think I think you're right, though. I think that there is at one point C three PO can get his mind wiped but r2 is still needed to go on for whatever mission right so i i mean there's a there's a potential r2 gets his memory wiped at some point that is not necessarily on screen no r2 never gets his memory wiped. max is having a crisis right now i try so hard to be a somewhat professional of a podcast host when i do these things but i'm actually it does not show this is embarrassing this we've is, also only done like news. we've only done like nine of these. <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I mean, have you seen the movie? Have you seen episode yes. three? I just rewatched it recently. That's embarrassing. I never, no, I, mean, I never heard him say details. protocol. I just heard him say wipe the droids. Have the droids' memory wiped. Release the Taylor Cut. That's oh embarrassing. my gosh! This All right. Is, well, let's not let's not break Max's mind too completely, especially because my force for thought for today is actually an excerpt from the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which I'm assuming you haven't read. I, I hope this is about wiping C-3PO's memory. <laughs> it's not. I 
I've, I was thinking about the force for thought I wanted to give this week, mm-hmm. and this week I'm just dedicating it to the novelization of Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stober, because every movie has a novelization, and, you know, episodes one through nine, Solo and Rogue One, they're all fine. They're books about the movie mm-hmm. that tell the same story except for revenge of the sith revenge of the sith is really really good mm-hmm. it doesn't like have that much more story it's just so well written and it reminds me of when we were talking about andor that it's my favorite star wars content because it's great content it's great like lore and story building and it also happens to be the most technically well-made star wars stuff that's how i feel about this book it just happens to be the most well-written piece of star wars media we've ever had so this excerpt i'm going to be reading is from Revenge of the Sith, from when Dooku is about to die. As he looks up into the eyes of Anakin Skywalker for the final time, Count Dooku knows that he has been deceived, not just today, but for many, many years. That he has never been the true apprentice. That he has never been the heir to the power of the Sith. He has only been a tool. His whole life, all his victories, all his struggles, all his heritage, all his principles, and his sacrifices. Everything he's done, everything he owns, everything he's been... All his dreams and grand vision for the future Empire and the army of the Sith have been only a pathetic sham because all of them, all of him, add up only to this. He has only existed for this. This, to be the victim of Anakin Skywalker's first cold-blooded murder. First, but not he knows the last. Then the blade crossed at his throat uncrosses like scissors. Snip, and all of him becomes nothing at all. Brutal. Wow. That author, Matthew Stover is his name. I feel like he just wrote that entire book because he has a, a thing for Count Dooku. Like, I'm getting justice for Count Dooku. That was, re- that was really portrayed in a very uh, generous light of Count Dooku. That's how this whole book is written. Every single character is so much cooler. Every single scene is so much clearer. Ugh. Read this book. I would love Everyone. to hear more about what he has to say about General Grievous. It's nothing but great. Interesting. I have um, very recently actually seen multiple people talk about the Revenge of the Sith novelization online. When people are looking for book recommendations, I'm not surprised. It is, yeah. it is a really, really good book, and people just don't give it any attention because they've already they already know the story. But it's just such a fantastically written book. But let us know what you think about our fan theories. Thanks for listening. If you have any fan theories that we didn't talk about, if you think we didn't defend one or defended one too much, let us know in the comments, and we'll see you next week. People are gonna be commenting. Get over Ozel. <laughs> Uh, you can happen. find us on the uh, Force for Thought across the socials, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. We just started releasing some videos. We think they're kind of funny, so go ahead and check them out. You can also find me on Twitter at MaxterJedi. Uh, I'm kind of over my Twitter. I, I've been handling the, the Force for Thought TikTok, so check there. <laughs> you know what? We're all, we're all collectively content. Force for Thought. I feel like we agree the same way about this. Yes. Check us out at Force for Thought. You can reach all of us there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if, if anyone were to ever reach out to us on Force for Thought, I would immediately text Max and Matt, so you'll yes. get us all. Exactly. And I'll be disliking your mean comments. See you, Sammy. Yeah.